Hey folks, this is Josiah with the Millennial Pastor Podcast, and this is a cross post from one of the podcasts in our podcasting network. It's from the Table Church House Plant, no, a a Church Plant Journey. I'm so sorry, I butchered their name. I'll put it in a link in the description. Make sure to go and check out their podcast, subscribe, like, do all that jazz. But this is an episode from their podcast where they are interviewing me. So enjoy. Okay. Hey, friends, welcome back to the table, a church planning journey. My name is Trevor. And as you can see, we're joined. Well, if you're watching, you can see. But if you're listening, we are joined by another good friend and a guest. I've got Ryan to my left on the screen that I'm looking at. And below us is our good friend and the co-host of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. That's right. The big thing that I talk about at the end of the podcast that's really long. And it's hard to it's hard to say the Millennial Podcasting Pastors Network. I don't even think I got that right this time. Millennial Pastors Podcasting, Podcasting Network. Network. I flipped the words, but yes, it's just a lot of words there. But this is the man, the myth, the legend, and we thought that we would have him on to discuss life, ministry, where we're at with things. But again, before we get into any of that, let's check in. Let's see how we're doing. Um, like we said in the last episode, we are going a, a few weeks on, a few weeks off here because we're crazy busy. So Ryan, what's good with you? Um, what's new? What's happening? Yeah, um, I've slowed down a little bit since last time. I'm not, I feel like I'm not as busy anymore. I'm kind of getting the hang of the new job, kind of the the schedule, if you would. And then, uh, yeah, some things are exciting. Uh, this is my last month at my previous church so i'll be finishing up there at the end of this at the end of may which is uh both exciting and sad um but at the same time we're not moving anywhere so it's not like i can't see these people on a regular basis anyways so yeah yeah. uh, and then um for everybody who's been listening kind of where since we started this i think um i've been living by myself um my my wife and kids are out in Missouri, living near my my, my in-laws, and uh, I just booked my ticket the other day to fly out at the end of May to go pick them up and drive them home. So they're coming back. Um, a little bittersweet because my father-in-law still isn't doing very well health-wise, but we're excited to be together as a family again still. For sure. I get that. Well, Josiah, everything is new for our listeners, for you, but what's up with you? What's, what's new in your life? What's going on? I mean, keep uh, it, keep it reader's digest. Cause we will talk more in depth in a little bit. Uh, well, I've transitioned. I, I went from a ministry role that was more traditional and conventional to one that's a lot less traditional conventional. And I've, I've been in the midst of a move trying to sell a house trying to buy a new place and uh, I don't know, try to find some sort of normalcy. I had a 2020 in the pandemic has been crazy. Got mm-hmm. lots of kids dealing with COVID homeschooling. My wife's a nurse, just so many things. So yeah. lots of things that are new for me, but with no one, you know, potentially no one listening <laughs> to your pocket. Like, okay, cool. Like I didn't know that it was anything different. So that's nice. Yeah. I feel it. I feel it. Um, not a lot has changed for me. My sister gets married this month. And so we'll be heading to Tucson to celebrate that with her fiance, future husband. Um, means I get to see my brother, which I haven't, haven't seen him in a while because he lives in Oklahoma. So that's exciting. My toddler can say sup. So that's cool. Cause we were in fries today, picking up uh, flowers for my wife's birthday. And, uh, he goes sup. And I go, what? I go, do you just say sup? And he's like, sup <laughs> so we we were saying that back and forth so he learned that word i don't know how or who he learned that from but whoever taught him thanks i appreciate teach him, it teach him the word fam afterwards yeah there you go sub fam <laughs> my almost two-year-old he says no biggie now he's no, no biggie and then That's he walks awesome. away <laughs> i love it i love it yeah other than that everything's been good uh both my cars have had to go to the shop currently i'm driving the smallest clown car in the world it's called a chevy spark google that for a second if you haven't seen what one of those are but it's really small literally the smallest cars i've ever driven it's a rental while my other car 
it's actually Durango. So it's like a truck, a big car versus a spark is a very, it was a, took me a sec to get used to that on the freeway. It's every car seemed to shake as well, shake me as I they drove past. So other than that, life's good. Work is, uh, I'm transitioning. I start 911 this week. So I've been taking admin calls. So people call them a non-emergency. So officially I'll be taking those life or deaths. See how that goes. Yeah, no pressure. No pressure, nothing at all. <clears throat> well, cool. Well, uh, like we said, today we are joined by a good friend, uh, Josiah. He is the author of a book called The Millennial Pastor and soon to be an author of a second book. Spoiler alert. <laughs> he is it's, it's in the works. It's in, in the, the works. works. It's in the works. He is a uh, podcast co-host with Byron, who we've been on the podcast with before of the Millennial Pastor podcast. He started this network that we've joined upon and been awesome. Before now, he was pastoring at a little small church in Washington. And now you said, and you kind of, you kind of teased it a little bit, but now you are doing something a little non-traditional. You're, you're testing the waters of ministry. With, is that a good word to say? I don't even know. I, I'm exploring. I'm entering into the unknown. So I'm still in Washington. We moved laterally. So we didn't go north or south. We just went east about two hours. So we were once upon a time. If you look at a map of Washington, there's the big triangular. I'm going to try to do it for this video. Mm-hmm. big triangular peninsula thing yep. on the far west side of uh, Washington. That's the Olympic Peninsula. We lived, we actually owned a house on that peninsula, but just barely. Where I pastored was basically at the base of the peninsula in a small town uh, called Shelton. And I was the, the pastor there for five years, the lead pastor, but more honestly, I mean, it's a generous title because it's just like the only pastor that's more <laughs> accurate. She's like, I'm the pastor. I would regularly, when I first, I was 28 when I started there. Uh, and I would regularly have people come in the doors like, where's the pastor? And like, oh, me, hi. Like, no, 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 not the youth pastor. Like, where's, are, where's the, I'm like, no, it's really me. Like, are you, are you qualified to do this? I'm like, that's, it's kind of like, too, it's too late to ask that question, ma'am. Uh, I'm here, I'm doing it. So whether or not I'm qualified, that's kind of an afterthought at this point. But now... I'm just about a half hour east of Seattle, up in the Cascades, pretty beautiful, pretty amazing, in a small community called Snoqualmie. And uh, yeah, doing some, doing some slightly different stuff, some less traditional stuff. Uh, but it's kind of, it's just, it's at the very beginning. Um, lots of hopes and dreams and goals and plans, but it's a shift, it's a substantial shift. And I mean, quite honestly, frankly, if not for this opportunity, ah, oh, this is this is probably extra. I don't know how blunt I want to be, but I don't know how else to be. I, I was struggling with even wanting to continue being a pastor, mm. to be honest. I, I, I was struggling genuinely with, with wanting to continue in denominational ministry because of the headache that was the culmination of things all dumped on to the 2020 that we all experienced. Yeah, so I, I totally get that. And it's like... Uh, I've had to say it to myself so many times that the reason I can't leave is because I want to help be the change. You know, it's, I, I feel the frustrations and the hurts and I, there's so many people that, you know, probably listening that have felt that in some capacity, or maybe they're currently feeling that. And I'll, I'll be, I'll be the first to say, if you haven't heard it before, but I I'm glad that you're still with us, Josiah, that you're, you're still kicking um with the nazarenes for now and yeah i mean it looks that's what's crazy is it looks different um what we're what we're all kind of doing i ryan said it before we started recording you're kind of planting a church you're not like you're the church is already established but like kind of and so there's there's a lot to it yeah there's a lot to it there's kind of there's some teamwork happening that's unconventional but it shouldn't be there's more than one church that has joined forces. Both of them are Nazarene. And so they resource one another. We, we actually already over the summer have plans and they already have done this. I, I've always called them and asked them like, how did you pull that off? What did this look like? And I always loved what they were doing, but they'll take turns with the pastoral staff 
sharing preaching responsibilities across the two different churches. They're distinct separate churches, but they just do so much together. Mm. So in the end of May, beginning of June, I will preach at one, at one location. And then the next Sunday I'll preach at the other location because we'll be preaching the same sermon series, but staggered a week apart. Mm. So after the end of six or seven weeks, they will have heard five different pastors um, across both locations, which I think is just super cool. But from this sort of teamwork thing, there's all these creative juices flowing for what it looks like to do something unconventional, non-traditional outside the four walls of the church. So between the districts initiatives that are going on up here on on my Western Washington, it's Washington Pacific district in between these two churches kind of just dreaming. There's, there's new endeavors that are being dreamed up. And yeah, the, the thing that's probably hardest about it is really hard to define. So yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd call it a church plan. I don't know if I would call it just being the church, just, it looks different. You know, I, there's so many, there's so many ways to slice it, but it's, it's refreshing for me. It's very refreshing for me because, man, 2020 was not great. Well, I know it's um, it's hard to define and it's hard to to to, to label, I guess. Um, but what could you just kind of give us the I don't know the dreams, the hey, this is what our goals are. This is what we're trying to do. I mean, so they I, have I think, they have. I mean, I was going to say, I was just going to say real quick that the, the thing that Trevor and I have learned in the last six months is like, you can say you're going to do one thing all you want, but like, you know, actually, actually the code. yeah, it's kind of different. <laughs> yeah. different. So oh, I agree. I mean, I I've seen that I've watched your guys's journey. It's been insightful and educational. So between these two locations and uh, man, for a couple years now, they've had a symbiotic relationship they've had really cool synergy they've had shared goals reach grow impact and so reach that could be i don't know what christian buzzword you really want to attribute to but similar to evangelism maybe grow similar to discipleship and impact basically service right missional outreach that sort of a thing so in real kind of practical terms i'm the impact piece i'm the impact pastor that's my title but that impact thing there was there's continuing to be some deconstruction because the word pastor denotes certain connotations in most Mm -hmm. people's minds Mm -hmm. because they seem to think you know and i'm not saying the place i'm at i'm saying maybe across potential maybe mostly across this country Um, i'm not sure about other countries because their pastors have to be a lot more creative with resources and, and jobs and stuff but the the term pastor a lot of times means you're in a building you have an office you're there nine to five Monday to friday you're there on sundays doing things uh part of the the goal is to broaden the imagination of the congregation mm. to see a church as bigger than the four walls they sit in on a sunday morning mm-hmm. and so there's some practical steps that are being taken to just almost de-emphasize what can sometimes be a spectacle right? Sunday morning can oftentimes just be this production, this experience that is full of sacred cows. I, I even had a couple of pastors that I put on the spot on my podcast. I said, do you think sometimes the sermon can even be a sacred cow? We got some black because they said yes. But that even just the sermon, even things that are very well intentioned can be a distraction even because of what they turn into. So on a Sunday morning, we're in the midst of this right now. We're shifting some of what happens on Sunday mornings. We're doing some think tanking. We're doing some brainstorming. But the main big first step is doing more things as that same group of people, only outside the building. So creating an actual transition, potentially, um, on a Sunday morning. The hope would be, potentially, we have some worship gathering, and then, you know, not not even skipping a beat, but we go from worship in a building to, hey, we're going to, uh, I, I don't know, we're going to the school down the road because we are going to do a community field day and put on a barbecue with water balloons, you know, just something very simple, practical, but it, it makes that first initial step. So that's yeah. kind of the traditional 
engagement that I have. But the non-traditional, unconventional organic side is that we're also working through this, uh, I guess it's a program, but I hate that language. It's called Communities on Mission. It's kind of this proof of concept that has been going for about a decade in Germany. And the, the gist of it is how to do church without a building, right? Mm -hmm. Like how to do church without owning real estate. So that is going to be a big thing that continues to be developed um, by me and, and the, the pastors I'm on staff with. But the end goals are to create organic discipleship communities that are not dependent on mm. that sanctuary and that space. Mm. And the idea is to assimilate and figure out where third spaces might be. And if you're unfamiliar with the term third space, it's the idea that you got home is your first space, work is your second space. And once upon a time in culture, church was the third space. They kind of had, they had the, you know, they owned that, that third space, but now culture has decided it has different third spaces. You know, on some Sunday mornings up here, it's Seahawks. Like you go to the stadium, that's the third space. Um, or during the week, it's, it's a mall or it's a park or it is whatever it is. And instead of trying to own the spaces, instead of trying to compete with our spaces better than your space, what would it look like for us to just join the people that are already gathering and not have to like be hype beasts. Right. And like put on mm -hmm. the coolest parties and get the coolest things going. But yeah, but in practical terms, so much of this is still being developed because what maybe worked in Germany isn't going to fully translate over here. Just like what you guys are trying to do. Like how do you create this network of things that you've never actually done before and you don't even know what the obstacles might be. Uh, before you even start right so yeah for sure so yeah there's two big pieces but there's a third big piece too um i actually primarily am employed if you look at money and and a sort of resources and stuff by a nonprofit. i took over as the executive director of a nonprofit, and it has a very close relationship with these churches but it's basically a benevolence that helps with rent assistance with gas with with all sorts of kind of gap monetary needs. And uh, at the height of some of the COVID stuff, it was providing 650 meal uh, bags, like backpacks full of food uh, a week wow. to school age kids that they could take home over the weekend. Basically we're trying to partner with the schools, the kids that needed lunch assist and breakfast assist because of who knows why we want to make sure over the weekend, they also had food. If yeah. they needed food during the week, they obviously need food during the weekend. So there's just a lot of moving pieces with sort of the, the, the end goals are what, what, what a beautiful marriage it would be for, for us to have all these folks that wanted to worship through serving, right? They wanted sure. to gather and be discipling one another in maybe traditional settings, maybe not traditional settings, but then there's this vehicle of service that does just incredible good for the community. And it's a, it's a nonprofit that the former pastor helped get to where it's at now and it's it's incredible like i just feel like i'm walking in stealing credit for stuff i didn't do it's awesome <laughs> i understand i like what you said about the sanctuaries in the third space and i've been actually thinking a lot about that concept and idea of for so many years my concept of like the tabernacle was a place at camp pine rock in prescott and the concept of a sanctuary was the church building I went to in Oral Valley. Like when you said those words vividly, I can picture those two places because that's what they were called and that's what they became. And then you mentioned this third space and kind of how, you know, as we're planting this house church network and I've made the mention before of like, Oh, welcome to the sanctuary. As I like direct my arms at the living room for our church. Um, what if instead, and I mean, this is like, I'm, I'm kind of like processing this out loud with you guys right now. So viewers, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> but what it, if instead it. of it being the place where the sanctuary is, and I know, you know, we've got scripture, we can deconstruct that if we want right now. But what if wherever you went, wherever the third space was, became the sanctuary? And so if it was the Seahawks game. That's fine, right? Or for us, the Cardinals game. Like, let that become the sanctuary. Not that you're worshiping the Seahawks or the Cardinals or the cheerleaders or the coaches or whatever, but like that you bring 
Christ to those places that if you go and the park becomes the sanctuary because you bring it, it's not because the building was built and this has been dubbed and we like smashed a champagne bottle against the side of the wall, like a boat, you know, to dub it as this, but like wherever you went, the third space that you went to was the sanctuary, regardless of what its locational place was. Right. And like, pushing it now in my brain of this idea of this last Sunday, we spent two hours outside picking weeds and spraying grounds with septicide to prevent weeds. And like, that's all we have. We have rocks and weeds in Arizona. Like that, That's about it. Right. Cacti. We have lots of cacti. Um, Southern Arizona, especially. Yes. But like, we just did church. It wasn't we, I mean, we did, we had a small little devotion and a little bit of worship beforehand before we sent ourselves off to do that. But I mean, we ran into one of our, you know, potential church members, Tina and her son, and they were like getting out of the pool and they're all excited about, Hey, like, let us know what we can do. We want to walk to Walmart and buy things for the church next time. We're like, you don't have to, but if you're going to, this is what we need. <laughs> I don't know. So just this idea of like, what if we, deconstructed completely our understanding of sanctuary of tabernacle and again and i have to i have to say this i have to say it i am not anti-church i am not anti-establishment the way that we have church now i love that's what for the last 29 years of my life that's my understanding of it and i don't think any of us the three of us are here trying or doing what we're doing because of any animosity necessarily um, but we have an understanding that there's more. Um, and I think maybe this more for, maybe for me for a season right now is helping people deconstruct the sanctuary. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I mean, I preached on it a couple of weeks ago, the week after Easter, I preached about how Jesus in many ways, um, yeah, reinvents this idea of holiness and um, being made clean whereas before in Jewish society if you touched a dead body or something like that or you touched an un unclean animal that uncleanliness transferred to you and what Jesus showed us is that no his holiness transfers to others mm, amen. Um, you know the, the bleeding woman who reaches out and touches the hem of his of his garment as he walks by the, the leper the blind man on the outside of the city literally who's been separated from society being made whole again so they can go back in um, Zacchaeus being called down from the tree and being restored to community um, so I think and oftentimes we've we've told each and I and I preached this too I said we've told ourselves that going to a building or going to a service or going to whatever we call church that makes us holy when reality, when we go out into the world, we're what makes the world holy. And I, I, I think that's great. That's a great way of thinking about it. What do you think, Josiah? I, deconstruction, right? I think uh, it's interesting, the examples you bring, none of it happened in a temple, which might have might have caused some, some strife with the Pharisees because that was what Jesus did on the regular. But thinking of my own, journey over the past two years at, in 2019 i was crazy enough and i was even warned I said well once you preach on this book you're gonna leave like, what that's silly that's a crazy old myth but i preached through the book of revelation and uh it wasn't it was i mean there's something to that maybe i don't know uh but i preached through the book of revelation and i i had a similar benediction sort of mantra that i would say um it's a revelation is a great reminder to be the church that Jesus called us to be right. And, and with every chapter, there's so many crazy things you can focus on, but the gist of it is, Hey, Jesus is coming back. Right. And, and there's this stuff that's going to go down and there's a whole bunch of, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going to compete for your allegiance. Uh, but the first couple chapters, Jesus makes it clear. Y'all have, have gotten distracted, huh? Like I thought I told you some stuff. You were supposed to be doing some stuff. What's the deal? Um, and Jesus is always clapping back at people in, in a way Jesus does through, you know, through the author, through John. Uh, but that sets the tone for the book of Revelation. And so every time we get through something dicey or crazy, I'm like, 
I, I don't know. Some people think this, some people think that at the end of the day, is it really that important to, to know the crazy little particular mm. symbolism things in revelation? Or is it important to be reminded that we have a job to do. And until, until Jesus returned, it, it, our job is to be the church that morphed in 2020 into sort of like, cause January, whatever, the first Sunday in 2020 I preached and the sermon was don't just go to church, be the church. Mm. And so I started to, to use that phrase and it was because it was the thing that was bothering me. Um, we hang our hats so much on a building that we go to. And part of it was honestly some resentment because I was one of maybe two or three people that did most of the work on the building to maintain it and to care mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. At some point I sat down with the, the board of that church and said, I can't be a caretaker first and pastor second. I don't mind doing stuff, but this is, this is kind of getting out of hand guys. And I lived next door. So it was just convenient for people to ask me to do stuff. Yeah. And I made the mistake of saying I'm the son of a contractor. So I have some tools and I know how to do certain <laughs> things, but, but that led into 2020 and the real tension that many churches felt was, well, if it's not in the sanctuary, it doesn't count. So I just made it a point to say, yeah, that's, that's silly. We, we are the church. We can still be the church being the church is not defined by those four walls that we can't meet in the way we always wanted to. To be, to be brutally honest, it's, it's part of what ended up making it clear that I, I probably needed to leave, mm -hmm. right? Like I was fighting that fight and I had some other co contributing factors that, that made that all the more clear that, hey, I think this is just a lose-lose situation for me. Um, not just ideologically conviction-based or, you know, not just that, but also circumstantial personal stuff, like being married to a nurse who is dealing with COVID patients regularly and worrying about exposure risks and having conversations above my pay grade with the denomination about the ramifications of something happening in a building that they technically own, right? And there's liability concerns and all that. But, yeah. but that common thread of just saying, hey, we can be the church even without that building because so many times the conversation was would steer around like well it's just not fair they're taking away our rights to worship i'm like no you just can't sit in that building without some masks on let's just go out to the park we can do everything we normally did like, well that's not the same like you're right it might be better though <laughs> i don't really want i don't really want my worship to be like shown because i've been told it's supposed to be in private and i'm a little embarrassed about how we sing in public so let's do it behind the walls not the not in the park <laughs> right we don't want anything to be above board for the world to see but i even you know I, I was like it doesn't have to be music homies we could we could just do a thing in the park where we feed people and one of the coolest things that happened in 2020 when i was still lead pastor in a traditional kind of setting uh, was we fed kids. Um, we, we did more benevolent ministry for, for teenage moms and for low-income families and for foster families than we'd ever done. Mm. And what was really crazy, kind of frustrating, but humbling at the same time was we never had more community people that didn't technically go to our congregational gatherings join in. Like the vast majority of people that helped with, whether we were feeding kids tacos or putting together Thanksgiving baskets or doing clothing drives or helping take care of teenage moms or, or doing foster uh, care advocacy. Like, you know, during Christmas, we gathered presents for foster families to help them make sure all the kids got presents. It turned into this community endeavor where just neighborhood people would come by and like, Oh, you're doing a thing. I saw it on Facebook. I'm like, well, why were you paying attention to Facebook? Oh, cause of the last thing you guys were doing. It was really cool. So I want to join in in the next thing. And that was, that was awesome. I really loved that. Well, it sounds like, I mean, I don't want to necessarily put it as this is the thing, but it sounds like through some of those moments, it's helped you solidify some of the future for this new ministry and how like you found some real raw success. And again, like how do we quantify success in the church? So often it's by numbers, people showing up in the building. But I mean, if you're telling me right now that you weren't successful in the middle of COVID when random people that weren't attending your church were like getting, getting plugged in and serving, you were feeding children, you were participating in these things that you were saying, like 
that that sounds like some big success that some churches would love to have but they're like don't want to i don't i don't know i could go into that for a bit but i won't i won't well that's just one side of the coin right because the other flip side is you're responsible to do what what felt like and i i started calling it this which maybe in hindsight i could have been more tactful um i started calling it the country club thing right like uh at some point, the Sunday morning gathering um, with its pomp and circumstance and spectacle can become that, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be. Sunday morning is not inherently evil. I, I feel like I need to clarify that, especially since I've said this so many times in the places where I live. I'm now the guy that says this, right? Like I, I say it enough that, oh, yeah, Josiah tried to kill the country club. I, I specifically use that terminology because... For me, you know, on a Sunday morning, if you're sitting next to somebody and you don't know about their life, you don't even know their name, then what are you doing, right? Like if you're there to worship in part of this church worship gathering, but you don't know the person next to you, you don't even know how to pray for them. You don't know where they work. You don't know their name. That's not really a community. You might as well be a country club. And so the tension for me through 2020 was while I was pumping myself into this stuff, since the in-person traditional Sunday morning thing wasn't happening, there was a lot of conversations being had and they were not entirely life-giving for me personally. Mm. And it started to paint a very clear picture for me um, that, because to be fair, it wasn't smooth sailing. You know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of things that, that were a struggle for me to be a lead pastor in in some of that might've been particular to that church. I mean, if, if you happen to be one of the handful of people that read my book, I go into detail about why in the world are you guys hiring me? <laughs> and the joke was, well, it's that or, you know, I guess we close. So why not take a, a flyer? Like we got a bargain bin pastor and it, you can't make it any worse, right? You can't. Oh, just, <laughs> that was kind of the sentiment that was shared, right? Yeah. So it's not like, it's not like. I, I had my work cut out for me in some ways and I didn't know what I was doing. So I oftentimes self-sabotaged along the way with just, you know, inexperience and yeah. being young and, and reckless and in, in that. But COVID really clarified some things because while I was struggling with, man, am I really supposed to be this traditional lead pastor type? Um, you know, even before COVID I was preaching through revelation or I'd be talking about stuff and, you know, I would get, sometimes lectures or coaching from mentors, you know, pastors shouldn't talk about that, Josiah. I don't know how to not talk about that. I mean, like maybe it's generational homies. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, but I can't not do that. But then when you bring it in with COVID and it becomes very clear, like those that, that maybe talk the loudest, they're not even necessarily, I don't know, maybe they're on the board, maybe they're not. Um, Sometimes what is really the most important in people's hearts uh, comes out and it's, sometimes disappointing for me as a pastor it's like wow so that's the most important thing not people that full on they're like i don't care about how we're feeding kids off like you you asked me to wear a mask i'm not coming here anymore like wow well that's that's a bummer and it really made me start to ask myself man what have we formed in these people mm-hmm. like what has the church done as far as its endeavors to disciple. And so I asked some questions, not, not just of my board, but of the district. Sometimes it would get me in trouble. I said, if we really mean what we say with our mission of making disciples, then guess what? We're doing a real bad job. <laughs> like if our Sunday morning is the main vehicle for discipleship, and this is what I'm being faced with, I'm being called a bad pastor mm. because I'm following CDC guidelines or the denominational guidelines or the state law. And I'm not, I don't know, protesting for the first amendment or, you know, whatever the case may be. Like if that's, if that's, and it just, yeah, that it, it, it snowballed from there. And I would say at the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, I kind of was pretty close to just throwing it, throwing in this house completely. I mean, there's a lot of other things that happened in the midst of that. I, I fully had a mental breakdown. I had to take four weeks off um, because for the three or four months leading up to that, I was a one man show producing online sermon and worship things and videoing and editing and uploading and doing all that stuff. But then just the demand for, Hey, do we care? Are we going to take, are we going to be culture warriors for 
you know, whatever thing was happening on that particular month because it seemed like it changed every month. But yeah, at the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, yeah, I loved that we fed kids, but I also, it, it was costing me too much to try to juggle everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a, well, I, I, Trevor and I, and I know other people have had this conversation during COVID, like, I feel like there was like, at no point was there like good decisions to be made. Yeah. Just, this one is less bad than the other. <laughs> and understanding that, and I mean, I can mentally be like, okay, I understand that's the case. But then like actually, you know, living it out. Cause in, in reality, you're gonna get yelled at by somebody. Yep. Which isn't fair, but it is what it is. Well, and I, I can't go into too many details, but there was a straw or two that broke the camel's back for me. And it stemmed from an in-person interaction. Um, I Gosh, I gotta be really careful with this. There's, there's some ramifications with it, but basically we had a thing happen at the building and it was, uh, I think I can say this part. Uh, it was actually a funeral. So we had to try to do some stuff in person, but because of some pent up frustrations and some hard feelings and some stuff. There were points where I was worried I was going to have to call the cops for fear of my own safety. Mm. So, and, and, and just sitting there, you know, I'm in a suit and I don't revel in the fact that I, I was thinking, man, I don't have much mobility. Like if things go down, am I, what, what am I doing? You know, just having to think through, can I run in this? Can I defend myself? What's going to happen? Um, and that's just a bad spot to be in. And there was another situation too, that was, an interpersonal issue that was going on. And so much of it stemmed directly, both of these different isolated events stemmed from stress not dealt with well, disagreements with leadership, uh, the fact that people everywhere are having mental health issues, um, maybe maybe trying to self-medicate. But it just dawned on me, I said, wow, if this is what I can expect from 2021 when I thought 2020 was bad, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. And so I actually technically resigned as lead pastor at the church I was at um, without any real, I, so I resigned before I accepted another job. And the guys here were like, dude, you can't resign yet. I'm like, no, I'm, I, I need to be done. Like, it's so clear. God has made it abundantly clear that this needs to be done. And like, so are you going to work with us? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to go over there with you guys. I honestly, am not sure if, if I have what it takes, uh, maybe I shouldn't be a pastor or maybe I, at the very least, I, I'm pretty sure I shouldn't be a traditional lead pastor um, or I don't have what it takes. Like I don't fit that mold, you know, whatever the case may be. So there was a, a month or two where I just kind of floated and uh, we, we discerned a lot. We talked a lot, me and my wife, we have four kids, right? So it wasn't like I was sitting around doing nothing. <laughs> I was plenty busy with homeschooling and caring for children. But that was the other piece of it is because of having kids and because of having a nurse, that's my spouse, right? Like we couldn't even be around people for fear that she was going to bring COVID home and they were going to literally be the harbingers of death because mm. kids give germs to everybody. Yep. So but I mean, I do want to make a, a clarifying point because it's easy to say, well, if, if, it, if COVID didn't happen, you know, you wouldn't be in this spot. And I don't totally agree. Um, Cause in my opinion, the reason why I was having these feelings about lead pastoring and, and even thoughts of walking away from pastoring period, uh, the reason I was having mental health issues, the reason why 2020 was so, so rough wasn't because these problems came out of nowhere. Like these were problems that have been there for a long time. Mm. And all COVID did was give us the benefit of magnifying the problem. Yep. And as I've said, I don't know, I probably even said this on my podcast, it probably doused the problems in gasoline and lit them on fire, right? Like it, it just accelerated all these issues, but the problems were there before COVID. Yeah, which is... These, I think that's a hundred percent true. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing. Like I'd rather, 
you know, don't beat around the bush. Tell me what you don't like about me. Like, I'd rather like get it out in the open and deal with it than like kind of, you know, just go on pretending as if there's no issue, you know? Absolutely. So yeah, the transition was one of, you know, it, man, because so much of my concern was, I don't know that maybe it's my giftings, my spiritual giftings, maybe it's my personality. Like I was told a lot of opinions, right? Like yeah. you're saying like the more opinions than I expected were brought to the surface. And like, oh, so maybe it's just, maybe it's just me. It's not you. It's me. Right. The, the, the breakup line. So, <laughs> but that was so much a part of this. Um, and, and what I told this, the pastor at this new place, that was the, the pastor that hired me was, Hey man, you're, you're kind of competing with the, the relief that it might feel to, to not have to worry about stuff like that anymore. Um, and his, his retort was, yeah, but what if ministry could still be fun? And I laughed. I'm like, ha! good one dude because in that in that headspace that i was in like ministry sucks dude this is awful like nothing i do i mean it's a loseless situation and i didn't even create any of these problems i'm just trying to make decisions to best navigate them yeah. and the sad thing was in that period of time and continuing now it's something i still struggle with i wasn't the only one right like i knew you guys had certain fun things that you have dealt with in the past where it just seems like there's there's so many younger pastors up and coming who are put in more difficult situations because it's kind of that you know that refining moment for them when you come when you graduate from seminary you're not given the healthiest biggest church right you're given the churches that can afford you and oftentimes there's something crazy like only one in three seminarians stick around after the first year in ministry i've heard a crazy stat where there's just um even within the first year because of so many circumstances uh, those that have gone through the training and the education of going to ministry and maybe it's because they're given the most difficult assignments straight out of seminary their their career as a pastor lasts maybe a year at best and this is why is i real. dropped out of college <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding no i have much respect for my brothers and sisters who finished and graduated with a master's degrees and yeah I feel it, man. It's not me. I... Me neither. It's Ryan. Ryan is the smartest guy in the podcast right now. <laughs> um, I just have a lowly undergraduate. I didn't go to seminary. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I feel like so often we could use, utilize this space as the, you know, that vent moment and get it all off and feel better for just a, a moment. But I think sometimes a better way to do that is to highlight what you're excited about, the joy that is coming, that you see it's on the horizon. So a few things, maybe, maybe just, maybe it's just one Josiah, but maybe a few things you can think of. What are you hopeful for? What are you excited about with this new ministry? I'm, I'm excited about what could be a new way forward. Um, particularly that's really giving me hope. That's the deciding factor for why I stuck around. If I'm honest, um, there's a lot of particular pieces to what we're trying to do and why and some hopes and convictions and passion behind it. But there was something that I thought was pretty poignant. My, my TS at district assembly said, uh, I guess at some district level thing, I don't know. I wasn't invited. Um, I, I don't have district leadership. <laughs> like cred. I, I, it's not like I was excluded. Uh, there was a question posed was this a blizzard or is this an ice age and so if it's a blizzard then you just hunker down and let the blizzard go over and you go right back to normal right you 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 take the snow off your sidewalks and then you go back about your day like normal uh, maybe you put chains on your your vehicle for a minute and then you, you take them off and it's resuming if it's an ice age that means that everything is different we have to we have to adapt we have to change and so the question was posed to the district leadership, to, to the people on various boards and committees and stuff. What do you think it is? Is it a blizzard or is it an ice age? And I was happy because like, I was, I was not using that terminology, but you know, at the district level in the middle of 2020, I'm like, oh, we'll go back to normal soon. We'll go back to normal soon. And I kept raining on prayer. I'm like, yeah, we're never going back to normal. So the sooner we can get that through our heads and process what that looks like, the better. 
Um, but just a couple weeks ago, I guess the district has gotten there as well. And like, oh yeah, this is an ice age. Unanimously voted that we have to be innovative. We have to, we have to think outside the box. We have to be unafraid of kind of boldly going into the unknown and be brave. So the thing I'm most excited and hopeful about is the fact that a standalone nonprofit that functions as a benevolent fund and a church both decided that they could share a person, right? So I'm part-time in both and there's overlap in both, but that's on purpose because the expressed desire is to be better neighbors, mm. to love the community well, to, to help one another. Uh, you know, the nonprofit needs volunteers um, and, and the church has that, right? And the, the nonprofit also needed a space. So they rent some of the church's unused facility to, to do some of the things. So like this beautiful partnership that could be really interesting way forward for what it looks like to, to innovate, to be the church. Cause it's funny. Now I have this conundrum when I'm meeting people in public, it's like, do I introduce myself as a pastor or do I say I'm the executive director of a nonprofit? Like what, what is it that I say now? Because sometimes, and I'm sure you two can sympathize with this, if you tell someone you're a pastor too quick, then that's it. And a conversation, they don't want to talk to you anymore. Or on the flip side, they need to like prove their spirit cred, right? right. And share all oh, of their favorite yeah. Bible verses or whatever. Oh, yeah. That's a lot. I've definitely had that a lot where people are like, oh my gosh, there's this one time I went to church. I'm like, one time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's, can we collectively exegete this passage? And I can tell you that I know the Bible really well. Yeah. Uh, but my excitement is the fact that that people, you know, are, are there structures in place that could afford us the, the chance to have unique partnerships to try slightly different things to maybe mobilize our people to get outside of the four walls. That's truly, so if there's a thing that I'm most excited about is not hanging our hats on four walls being the church. Like that's as simple as I could put it. That church is people, just like the cheesy Thor Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. uh what is the line uh oh man where's the place asgard is is not a place it's not it's a, a place it's a people yeah right yeah i mean as cheesy as it is it's spot on it's good theology yeah what do you um i mean this is like a like a sports talk show like whatever your predictions are, it doesn't really matter nothing's ever gonna there's gonna be no uh no answer you're not gonna have to pay punishment or anything like that like what do you see kind of the role of church moving forward so like if this is a blizzard like what needs to change and obviously you're trying to be a part of the like all right well let's think outside the box but what do you think you know we as the church need to do moving forward so and it's Sorry, Ice Age was the, I think the one that's more long-term. Is that what you meant? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. I got my, I got my cold, we live in Arizona. The metaphors. <laughs> yeah, no I, sorry, my bad. So I don't want to be doomsday, but I'll just be honest. I think there's going to be less traditional churches quickly. I think it's in like the next five to 10 years, there's going to be drastic shifts, drastic changes you're going to lose pastors and it's going to be like a double whammy, right. Of, of older pastors retiring or passing away and younger pastors who, who are just over it. They're like, I, I tried really hard to have a seat at the table and I was told to, to wait my turn or that my ideas were crazy or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and so instead of seeing that as some sort of, you know, let's live in the past and fight for that thing that we once had that we love so much. What we can do is is keep our eyes and ears open to see the because this is the one thing that I think 2020 taught me. If you if you just have some fresh lenses, you can see where God is at work, and even if it's not inside your building, uh, it, it doesn't have to be just inside your building, and you don't have to get butt hurt about that, right? Like if if the thing that's really good that's happening isn't happening in your sanctuary or in your in your Sunday school classes, in your fellowship hall, is that really the end of the world? Is, is it maybe perhaps a humble thing to say, well, I would like to be where God is doing stuff. So I want to go over there and do stuff with those people. 
So I think moving forward, for maybe for twofold, for traditional congregations, I would simply say, do that thing. Be slow to speak, quick to listen, right? That's in the Bible. Um, what would it what would it look like to just to maybe I don't think people are gonna ask you to do some crazy change of things. I don't think traditional church is fully going anywhere. I just think there's gonna be less traditional congregations gathering. There might be less church buildings with more people in them. Maybe there will be some equilibrium like that. But on the flip side, I think that folks like uh, you and Trevor, Ryan, are, are going to have to help pioneer and innovate and fail a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's the big, that's the big part of this that that's going to be hard. Um, the way forward, and you can look back at history, Thomas Edison failed a lot at making light bulbs. And then eventually he stole one from Nikola Tesla, right? Isn't that <laughs> That's supposedly what happened. I don't even know. But uh, I, think, I think one of the biggest things that could benefit both parties, let's, let's call it the traditional. I'm really trying to be careful, like not to say like the older folks and the younger folks, but let's call it more the traditional crowd and the ones that are maybe trying to innovate. I think what you guys have already done is really helpful is you can come in and tell stories and maybe those folks, that's not their cup of tea, but they want to help financially or they want to help at least pray for what's going on. But at the end of the day, I think the, the best thing we could do is keep trying, like just have grit and determination and maybe it doesn't pan out. You guys already talked about this. Like, Hey, it didn't, it wasn't exact. Like we had something in mind and we had to change it. And then we, we had to change it again. If you look at, that as as you know successes versus failures i don't know that could be really disheartening right but i think the simple the simple pivot for us is this isn't the first time this has happened right like we've gone through reformations we've gone through cultural upheavals and shifts and somehow the church continued to exist mm. it didn't always look the same it didn't always uh, carry on exactly the same things that it carried on before but it's been around the, the Christian church has been around for about 2000 years and it's gone through growing pains and iterations. So we have the benefit of history to look back on and maybe learn some things. Um, and moving forward, we can, we can kind of hopefully highlight the things that we're supposed to highlight, like the things that we believe and that those beliefs should be central to our lives, our life's work and in the things that we're trying to do. And that if at the end of the day, we're simply trying to do that, right? Like I just, I, I preached on this Sunday. It was my first sermon at the new place. If you just take the Lord's prayer into consideration, you know, thy will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. If that, if that simple little line becomes sort of your rudder directing where you go, maybe initially you don't have success in something, but you, you're in the right direction. And mm-hmm. uh, that, that needs to happen. Because if, if we just take our toys and go home and pout and say, I don't want anything to change, we're dooming ourselves. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we can be just as bad. So full disclosure, if, if we as the young stereotypical pastors are pitching fits about the traditional folks that don't want to change anything, right? Like stop yeah. singing hymns, sing this songs. We can be the same way oh, about yeah. our thing. Oh, yeah. And not want to change our thing yeah. for what's next. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's... Uh... Yeah, a value of uh, recognizing um, that there's that there's a reason why things are traditions, and it doesn't make them bad. No. But at the same time, yeah, there's a reason why some traditions die. Some <laughs> there's things that used to be traditions that we don't do anymore for lots of really good reasons, and just understanding that. Um, kind of balancing those two things for sure no no doubt well man this is good i thought (laughs) i didn't know exactly where we were going with it and i like the way (laughs) i like the way it went honestly it was well you know it was like there's a lot that we could have talked about there's a lot of the directions that we could have went i think we went in a really good direction um where can people find you josiah not necessarily the millennial pastor but where can they find what you're doing up in the Northwest? How can they uh, get plugged in? And, you know, if they're listening and they just want to get involved or watch, you know, the process. So there's a nonprofit called Helping Hands uh, Ministries, and it's in Snoqualmie. Uh, it's really hard to spell that word. 
uh, S-N-O-Q-U-A-L-M-I-E. Um, but that's where it's at. And it just helpsnowvalley.org uh, is the website. Um, so that's the spot. I, I just started a few weeks ago, so I'm still kind of overtaking online presence. So if you don't see my face on there, it's not because I'm a liar. It's because I'm still waiting to get like admin credentials for the Facebook page and for the websites and stuff. Um, but then the church, so there's two churches that share name and I'm at the Snoqualmie one, but it's called Life Community and it's in Snoqualmie. It's, it's a Nazarene church, but it doesn't say Nazarene on the building, which is, that was a big deal when that happened, right? Not too long ago. Um, but those are the places that I physically exist within. Uh, aside from that, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, most of my social media has now become podcast network fodder. So I don't even uh, know. That's like what that. I was asking about your ministry stuff. Cause uh, we'll have those links down in the bio for people who want to click on over and give that a follow to watch kind of the, it'll be interesting. It's like going to be, it's going to be watching a plant grow, you know, and you, you set it out, you water it, you feed it and you watch it. And so I think I'll definitely click on and give it a like so I can watch what's going on there. And, and it's interesting because, you know, in this podcast, we're talking about specifically and how we're planting the table. It's kind of been our, our little audio journal for that. But, you know, I'd love when we get to bring our guests on to describe what they're doing and where they're at and what they're going through, because though the table is unique in its structure, uh, we are not alone <laughs> in trying to innovate. And <clears throat> I've said it a lot in the last couple of weeks, but I can't not do this. I have to. And the reason, one of the big reasons is because I want my son and his children to have church. Um, and that I know it's going to look different. Like you said, I, he, he might go to the traditional more brick and mortar you know, church, but I at least want to help innovate and create something that hopefully will last so that his children will have church. So I don't know. It might not be the table. <laughs> I hope, but it might not be, it might be something totally different. You know, we, we, who knows, but I, I know I can't, I have to do this. And that's one of my reasons for sure. Well, I think the thing that's remained the same throughout all of Christendom is that people gathered, right? Where they gathered, what it looked like when they gathered. I mean, that's the one tradition that we haven't stopped doing. And even, you know, there's still Benedictine monks that have gathered in a very similar way for a long time, but the gathering itself, you know, that's the thing that continues no matter what. So that's the, that's the name of the game, you know, going forward. I, I, you ask, you got you guys asked me lots of questions. I'm going to leave this percolating, you know, I'm going to be stewing on a lot of those because full disclosure, I've tried to steal some of your guys' ideas on the download <laughs> and see how I could implement them. Yep. So thank you for that. I'm sure I'll have some more questions about, Hey, when you got to this point, uh, what the heaven did you guys do? What next? <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love it. Well, the way that we like to finish our episodes outside of obviously the obvious plugs that every podcast seems to do, right. Is uh, we like to pray uh, or at least mention things that need be need to be prayed for because we believe that um of course the three of us here will be praying for one another but we believe that our our listeners as well um it's good for them and they can be praying for us you know the 20 to 40 people who tune in time and time again we appreciate you and i i believe that you guys have prayed for us and many many times god has provided so uh, Ryan, what can we be praying for for you? And Josiah will go to you next. I'll wrap that up. So what's up, Ryan? How can we be praying for you this week? Um, I think the big thing, you know, just um, finishing well at my, my other position. Uh, and then also uh, we're getting ready to soft launch the table, which basically means we're going to start having weekly gatherings. Uh, we've been doing weekly gatherings, but they've kind of been more trying to build up the team kind of mindset as, as opposed to, you know, kind of just inviting everybody. So, yeah, I think, you know, pray for us as we begin to, to, you know, to be church, um, not to say what we haven't, what we've been doing hasn't counted, but, um, as we, you know, begin to, 
invite other people along the journey with us on a more regular basis. Um, and then also, um, yeah, just everything going on with my family. It's always good to have prayer for that as well. So, uh, For me, um, we're still transitioning, trying to close on the sale of a house that we own. We currently live in a small little condo and with four kids, that has been interesting. So we're trying to buy a place, but we're also trying to find a job for my wife, who is a nurse. Um, and there's like four or five different great opportunities, but there's this weird indecisiveness coupled with some of the better jobs don't start until August. So that could be a stretch to try to make it on a pastor nonprofit salary for a couple months. Um, so that just family and transitions and, and kids going into to school for the first time in person in a long time. There's a lot of interesting transitions and norms that they're, they were once used to and got less used to and now are going back. Uh, but then also uh, so much of this is in the works, but we, we have full on onboarding and training that we're, we're bringing some of our folks alongside of us through to, to hopefully, this is the, the thing I would ask specific prayer for is hopefully stir the imagination, right? Like that's really the hope is to have a broader worldview, a broader perspective on what it looks like to be the church. It's pretty simple. Um, so that that's really going through the summer and kind of hitting the ground running with a lot of that stuff. And it'd be very helpful if we had folks that, that were just as passionate and kind of caught that imagination that we're helping along the way that weren't necessarily paid to do that. So I feel it. I feel it. Uh, for me, I think this is a, this is a good month because uh, as we ramp into this soft launch kind of doing like, I have a really normal schedule of the 10 to eights and I have my weekends free. So <clears throat> that gives me some time, but then we like launch into it with June and I start my overnight shifts for the first time in my life. I've ever worked real like consistent overnights. I've done late night stuff, obviously being a youth pastor with lock-ins. Oh, I hate those lock-ins. <laughs> um, but, you know, just uh, being able to transition and continue to be a good spouse and father and continue to be a good pastor. Um yeah, that's probably my biggest concern right now. But at the at the end of the day, God has always provided. I think He continue He will, and you know, I'll we'll manage. And as I figure out this scheduling, rock and roll. I mean, we'll figure it out. I guess <laughs> that's the biggest thing for me. But other than that, like God has been really good. I'm in a very peaceful time in my life right now, which is weird after this last year. You know, we can all echo that <laughs> craziness. Uh, well. Thank you for joining us, Josiah. We appreciate uh, you being on with us today. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Of course. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not normally on this end of the interview on a podcast, so thanks for the invite and thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Yeah, not a big deal. Yeah, check him out. The Millennial Pastor Podcasting Network. How many podcasts are we up to now? I think we have six. Well, we're about to have six. About to have six. What's the sixth one? There's a couple that there's some the brand fence. new baby, brand new baby podcasts that I'm still trying to encourage to to go public. Maybe is that how you would say yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel it. Yeah, so they can do it. I think. Press do we have we, we have we have five right now? Almost six, right? Is that where yes, we're? Yes, we're definitely at five because we just yeah. added religious. So. Some good stuff coming down the pipe for sure. But yes, you got to follow the Millennial Pastor Podcasting Network, where specifically you can find Josiah Jones, the Millennial Pastor with his co-host, Byron. You can find the beautiful, amazingly, wonderfully talented pastor's spouse, my wife. <laughs> and uh, hopefully she'll have some more guests on, but she's uh, in that same boat of finding those people and finding the time to do it. We have uh, good friends over at A Plain Account, um, and our brand new guest, uh, not guest, I should say our brand new show religious, um, which I cannot remember his name, save my life right now. Jeff. There you go. Jeff, Jeff. Bassett. And Brent Neely. 
There you go. And so we got a bunch. So make sure you head on over there so you can listen to all the podcasts, especially now that we're not going to be posting every single week so that there will be content for you to just subscribe and eat up uh, as you prefer. And outside of that, you can follow us at the table NAS on all of our socials and at the table church is our website. If specifically you want to support us in any way through prayer, uh, maybe you have some questions or concerns or whatnot, or maybe you want to give financially, which is still a really big piece of our church plant. You can do that over at the table church forward slash support for all of those different options. DM us, hit us up. We'd love to have conversations with you. We've had so many great ones in the past. And I forgot to say this in the last episode, but we use Anchor, which is a really cool product. So you can like click the message button and leave us a voicemail and we can listen to that next week. We haven't gotten those in a while, but they're fun. Yeah. Definitely. All right. This is always the most awkward part. We'll see you guys later. <laughs>